and make no mistake about it, older folks, you got a lot to teach the younger generation. Younger generation, you got a lot to learn. Grandpa will school you. He may not be able to beat you on the ball court, but he will school you on how to win big time. It's amazing. So, hey, we're going to dive into it. We're going to have a wonderful, amazing morning this morning. I want to encourage you after the service, Sarah might have mentioned already at the beginning, she'll mention at the end, but right after the service, we're going to have an opportunity to those members to stick around and wait. We're going to vote quickly. It only took like four or five minutes last year. It'll take four or five minutes this year. We're going to vote on nominees to be on the nominating committee. And only a church could have a meeting where we vote for nominees to be on the nominating committee. So, glad you're here. So, have you ever walked into a church and uh, all you see is older people? What do you usually think when you walk into that church and think, well, the church must be old-fashioned or boring or they're going to sing old songs that I don't know. Or maybe you've experienced just the opposite. You've walked into a church and all you see are young people and young families. And so what do you think? Usually you think, well, the, the music's going to be really loud and obnoxious. It's going to be very contemporary. pastor's probably going to wear jeans. And it's going to be really laid back. <laughs> I'm wearing jeans. I wore a suit last night. We had a wedding here yesterday. It was wonderful beautiful. So... But that was yesterday. Weddings, funerals, and when people raise from the dead, I'll wear a suit. And that's usually an Easter. I do that as well. So, Listen, we know that uh, appearances can be deceiving, though. But the fact is, there are a lot of churches that lean one way or the other. There are churches that lean this way, where it seems like they attract a lot of older people. I don't know, for whatever reason, they attract a lot of the older generation. Then there are churches that lean this way, they, they tend to attract a lot of the younger generation, a lot of younger folks. But the truth is, I believe God wants His church to be multi-generational. You hear me? I know I jokingly start off by saying we're going to pick on the millennials a little bit, but uh, that's not necessarily the case. We need both generations. We need the older and the younger, the middle-aged, the big, the tall, everyone involved, the good-looking. If you're listening on podcasts right now, you're like, why are they laughing at that? It's because I pointed at myself. And there's nothing funny about that. We do need the good-looking people to be here to balance out the ugly ones. Told you we're going to have fun this morning. The truth is, God wants His church to be multi-generational. Because, folks, we need each other. You're not looking at a pastor here that's all about the young people. And forget the old. Who cares? We're just going to disenfranchise them, put them on a shelf, and wait until they just pass away. No, not at all. But if you're a young person here this morning, don't think, well, he's just all about trying to appease the big contributors and financial donors and those that give the big dollars. No, not at all. I'm here for both. Because I believe that's what God would have. Remember the young pastor that Paul was mentoring? I love it. His name was Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith that you shared. The faith that first came to you from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues in you today. You've got your Bibles open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Be on the screen behind me. Folks, this is my story. It's not just because it's the book of Timothy, but when I begin to develop this and look into this and read this and study it, I thought, oh my Lord, God, this is me. My grandmother and my mother poured into me. That I might become what I am today, a pastor. I wish that my grandmother were still alive to see it. I guarantee you she wouldn't believe it. <laughs> she has to see it to believe it. 
But here I am. First, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. We're going to read it together. I'll read it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. You see, God called him to this. It's God's will. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promises of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. Paul was Timothy's mentor. Paul looked to Timothy as his son. That's how much he loved him. My best friend in the whole wide world name is Ray Boyd. I love the guy. We've known each other since second or third grade. I love this guy. He is not a friend. He's not a best friend. He's my brother. I mean, he's my brother. My daughter's called him Uncle Greg. All right? When we were little, Dukes of Hazard was a big deal. Y'all remember Dukes of Hazard? So we straight up become blood brothers. We thought it was cool. We said, and he said, we said, we're blood brothers now. I would never do that in a billion years now, ever. But I did it then. We're like brothers, right? So when Paul says to Timothy here in verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my dear son, that was heartfelt. So my dear son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father, Jesus Christ. Look at this word, our Lord. He's putting them together, the older, the younger. He's our Lord, the same Jesus of the old is the same Jesus of the young, our Lord. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as our forefathers did. You see, Paul's forefathers worshiped God as well. With a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul, the mentor, is praying for Timothy constantly. You see how much work Paul has invested in Timothy? Older folks, you have so much work to do. When I say passing the torch, passing the baton, does not mean you get to hand it off and sit in the pew and relax and be served. No, it means your job is just beginning. You thought you were being put out for retirement and pasture? No way. You're there to work hard now. you got to be praying for these young people day and night. Listen, our trustees have been working their tails off on this building the last year. And they need your wisdom and insight and prayer for these young guys as they climb ladders. As they dig ditches, as they pave parking lots, as they clean basements, as they do the hard work that we as older people, or you as older people, some of you are going to catch that later, can't do, the younger people, like me, have to be able to do it, right? goes on, verse 4, recalling your tears, I long to see you, that I might be filled with joy, he's recalling your tears. You see, when Paul and Timothy were together, then they had to split ways. There were tears that happened. Timothy loved Paul, and Paul loved Timothy. And when they parted, it was sorrowful. They cried. I met my, one of my, of my close friends, John. He moved from Lima, Ohio, where I had best, good, great friends with him. They moved to California. I knew I'd probably not seen him for a long time. And when they left, I bawled like a baby. So So that I might be filled with joy. Listen, they longed to get back together because when they got back together, it was joyful. They laughed. They talked. They had a lot of fun together. Verse 5. I, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you. See how that generations, we got generations, we got, you know, there's certain things called generational sin, generational curses. I believe there's also something called generational blessings. You can bring up a child and stir in their hearts the passion for the word of God, the passion to follow him. And one day when they're on their own, they will follow him the rest of their lives. My daughter's blessed as she just 
signed the lease. Pretty scary for me as dad. She signed the lease on her own harvest weekend. And she's excited about it. Can't wait to get in there and start doing pottery and doing what she loves. And I was so blessed. You know what she said to me that day? Dad, would you and some of the folks from the church come over and pray over my, my studio? Pray over it and anoint it. And I said, you better believe I will. How awesome is that as a dad? I'm like, she's getting it. She understands the importance of it. Praise God. Verse 6, for this reason I reminded you, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. See, Paul laid his hands on, on Timothy and prayed for him and anointed him and commissioned him. He said, I lay my hands on you, not by my own power, but by through the power of Jesus Christ working in me. Now, as I work in you, go fan that flame that I started in your life. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. A couple more verses. Verse 8. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, our Lord. Now, he's not just mine. He's ours. I'm old, you're young. He's the same God. Or ashamed of me as a prisoner. But join with me, older folks. You need to be looking at the younger people around you and go, join with me. Let's do this together. Let's do this together in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we, you see the partnership here, us, we, together, it's not the old and the young and the two shall never meet, the grace given us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time, skip over to verse 13 real quick, would you? Move along. Verse 13, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. What you heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching. Old people, if that's you, the shoe fits, wear it. Alright? Older folks, grandma, grandpas, teach the young people the patterns of life. Help them to work that routine. Not that it becomes ritual and routine to the point where it just becomes nothing, but that it becomes everything in their life. Teach them that before they hit their feet on the ground, that they learn to put on the full armor of God. Before they check their Facebook and their Twitter. Don't say, oh, Facebook and Twitter, that's evil, stay away from Don't say, before you dive into Facebook and Twitter, put on the full armor of God before your feet touch the ground. Do that before you reach for your phone. Help them with that pattern. And help them with that pattern by modeling it and doing it yourself. Verse 13, what you've heard from me, keep as a pattern for sound teaching. With faith and love in Jesus Christ, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It's been entrusted to the younger generation. And I'm going to say something that might hurt a little bit. Grandma and grandpa's or folks, we don't always trust the younger generation. So we want to hold on forever to the things that we ought to be giving up. We ought to be giving up leadership. We ought to be giving up, not, not giving up and walking away saying, it's not, I have nothing to do with it anymore. No, we need to give away that leadership, empower the next set of generation. Do you want a pastor that's 110 years old? I hope not. Hopefully you will give me up at some point and say, Tim, you've been great, but it's time, bro. But even when I do give up and give up the podium and I say we're moving on, I'm going to stay actively involved and engaged in the heart and mind of the next pastor, the next elder, the next trustee, the next Sunday school leader. 
the next media person, the next worship person. You see what I'm saying? Clearly, Paul recognized that Timothy had received godly instruction from his mother and grandmother. As he was growing up, I can just imagine his mom and grandma just pouring into Timothy. Timothy, do it this way. Timothy, Timothy, Timothy. I can't tell you how many times I've heard my grandmother say, Timothy, 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 Timothy. Oh, Timothy, Timothy, Timothy. We all need someone who's more experienced in our lives to help us along. And that's exactly what Paul did for Timothy. Later it would be Timothy's turn to do the same thing for another young pastor. And this beautiful cycle of receiving and giving is how God's kingdom should be. Older folks, you've received such a blessing. Living life, raising kids, leading this church, giving to it financially, and both relationally giving to this church, pouring your heart and soul. That's such a thing. You've been given that opportunity. Allow others always to have the same to experience and write out their love language to Jesus through music, through the cold, through whatever. Here's the thing. Paul, who was more experienced in both life and religious teaching, came alongside Timothy. Timothy's mom and dad, or mom and grandmother, had a choice. They could have chosen to hold all that faith to themselves. But they decided to invest in Timothy, and that's just what they did. And he was able to become the pastor that he became. I'm here because of the praying grandmother and mother that invested in me. We all need that person in our lives. There should be a healthy dependency between the two generations. There really should be, especially in the church. For example, just before Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land, Moses told him to be sure to teach the younger generations about the the book of Deuteronomy records this. Check it out in Deuteronomy chapter 31. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to it. Deuteronomy 31, verses 12 and 13. It's on the screen behind me. I love the word where it's, it seems so cold-hearted. Deuteronomy chapter 31, 12 and 13. But earlier in the scriptures recorded, the God went to Joshua and said, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now you're going to leave. Wow. Okay. I mean, no big, huge fanfare, no big celebration. Let's have a carry-in dinner. Let's do all these things. Let's put a plaque up to honor Moses. He says, listen, Moses is dead. Now it's your turn. Moses says to Joshua, listen, you gotta, you got you to gotta bring them all together. So in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 12 and 13, says this, Call them all together, the men, the women, the children, and even the aliens living in your town, so that they may hear this book of instruction. And learn to fear the Lord, your God, and carefully obey all the terms in these instructions. Do this so that your children may know these instructions. They will hear them, and they will learn to fear the Lord, your God. Grandma, grandpas, older folks, here, here. If we don't teach the younger generations, I'm talking about the kids that are this tall to the kids that are this tall, but they're still young at heart, right? If we don't teach them, no way. If you're just going to put that all on me, do I have to connect with every single person under 40 years old and make sure they know the way, the truth, and life through Jesus Christ? Do I have to do all those phone calls, text messages, email? Or do I have your, your help with that? I hope I have your help. I hope you're not saying, well, Tim, you said pass the torch, so I pass the torch. Now I sit down. No, it's pass the torch, and let's get to work. It was the older generation's job to teach the younger generation about the Lord. 
And that's still true today. Older folks, the future of the church and Christianity depends on the older generation. You are not the past. If you were 60 and older, let me tell you something right now. You are not the past. You are the future. Because the future depends on you. Future generations are depending on you to step up and to lead and to instruct and to inspire and to help and to serve and to do so they can see and watch you so that they might be inspired to do it as well. The relevancy of the church and its messages depended on the younger people finding their place in the church and using their gifts to further the kingdom of God. You see, it's not about preference or music style. It's about finding a need and meeting it. Let's talk about this word relevancy for a minute. Relevancy does not mean, oh, okay, well, if we leave it up to young people, I guess it's going to be all rock music, loud, and craziness. No. Relevancy is saying to the older person who is quite literally on their deathbed dying with the family surrounding the bed, what's relevant to that family? What's relevant to that person going off to meet their Lord shortly? What's relevant to them? Let's figure that out. Let's beat that need. What's relevant to the young couple in the same hospital on a different floor giving birth to a newborn? What's relevant to that family? Let's find that need and meet it. What need is it that, what's relevant to the family of a single mom who's just dying for help? Her groceries and her rent and her car and her whatever, helping bring her children up. She's all by herself. He's all by himself. What's relevant to that person? Let's find that. That's relevance. Don't get caught up in relevancy thinking whatever's the current, uh, most trendiest thing, that must be what's relevant. Those things are trends. I'm not talking about let's be a church that's trendy. Let's be a church that's relevant. You see the difference? We need both generations leaning on each other. I've been encouraged to go see the movie Overcome. How many have seen the movie Overcome? It's a great sentence. It's still playing. I call it. I'm going to try to do my best to get out here and see it. But one of my favorite movies in the whole world is Forrest Gump. I've shared this probably before. I went to the movie theater when that came out and saw it like five times right in a row. Literally sat through it, got a ticket, sat through it, got a ticket, sat through it. It was a long time ago in that movie. It was actually over on the other side of town in Eastwood. But I, I, I digress. Listen, Forrest Gump, great movie. We need both generations leaning on each other. You remember the movie Forrest Gump, you were friends? That dude, his name was Bubba, and Bubba was going to be a shrimp boat captain. But Bubba passed away before that happened in Vietnam. They're in Vietnam. It's raining and pouring down raining. And in Vietnam, it got so muddy. And so Bubba said to Forrest, Forrest, I'll tell you what, you just lean right up against me, and I'll lean right up against you. That way, we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. Right? Let's not sleep with our heads in the mud, folks. Let's lean up against each other. Let's do that. Hey, man, older person, why don't you lean right up against this younger person? Younger person, why don't you lean right up against this older So you don't have to sleep with your head in the mud. Let's work together. We need each other. Amen? We need to lean on each other. It's not unusual, though, for young people to undervalue and misunderstand older people. Nor is it uncommon for older people to do the same with younger people. We must guard against that mindset. We've got to stop speaking hurtful and careless words to the generation and saying things that are passive aggressive to one another. We've got to remember that each one of us have our strengths. Each one of us can help the other. <coughs> Proverbs 29. If you've got your Bibles open and up, Proverbs 20, verse, or I'm sorry, chapter 20, verse 29. Proverbs 20, 29. 
It's a quick, short, little verse, but I want you to grab a word of that. Hit it in your face. Flip it in your face. Grab your phone. Pull it up. It's on the screen behind me. Proverb 20, verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength, and the gray hair is the experience and the splendor of the old. I see a lot of gray hair here. I see a lot of no hair here. That means you have even more wisdom. And I can turn out and play my fault about everything. So I'm pretty good. See, I'm young. I'm getting old. I prayed one time and someone said, I saw you pray. And when you bowed your head, I could see your ball smile. I said, you got to be kidding me. That's what you heard when I prayed? Someone said to me, no joke. But at the same time, thank goodness, they said, I saw you worshiping. And you were worshiping with your head. And your goatee was cut wrong. I said, you got to be kidding me. People notice a lot, man. Careful enough. Proverbs 20, 20. That was my sister-in-law. I'm going to throw her under the bus. I mean, Paul said, you lifted your head. You were like, your goatee's all cut wrong. Uh, I never talked to her anymore. <laughs> Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young man is their strength and the great hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Obviously, God values all the generations, all the different stages of life, and so should the church. Young people are strong and energetic, which some old people lack. And older people excel in experience and wisdom, which some old younger people lack. That's why I say people from all walks of life, rich, poor, old, and young, from all walks of life are welcome. That means the way the kingdom of God should be. The older and the younger can balance each other out because often older folks display stability and maturity in their faith, whereas the younger people exhibit a freshness and a zeal in their faith. We need both of that. It's about teaching and learning. With experience and maturity comes wisdom. Titus 2.4 tells us that these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. There is much that younger couples and younger moms can learn from the older moms and the grandmothers about maturity, how to manage their money, how to live on a budget, how to raise their family, how to be a good worker, a great wife, or a great husband. Young people can learn a lot from these more experienced older folks. But are the older folks engaged? Or have they checked out, passed the baton, passed the torch, and said, I'm done? They need to engage. I think of mops, mothers of preschoolers. I'm training myself to say mops, mothers of preschoolers, mothers of preschoolers. Because I want to say for some reason, mothers against preschoolers. Mothers against, no, it's mothers of preschoolers. I think of mops. We've got like 18, 19 ladies signed up to be part of our mops, mothers of preschoolers group that's going to be meeting here on Wednesday nights. And we have mentor moms. Older moms who've been there, done that, come alongside some of these younger moms and teach them and help them and lead them and guide them. We have way more moms than we do mentor moms. Older people pass the torch, pass the baton, but get to work and get involved. Find Melanie Clawson. We got Melanie right there, right? Find her and say, I want to be a mentor mom, or at least I want to know what it's about. Because Tim's message was so dynamically amazing and awesome, inspiring, it stirred me. I got it. Why you laugh at that, but okay. <laughs> Youth and young people can help seniors understand technology. See how we need each other? 
They can help you understand technology. There's nothing more frustrating and yet funny to see an old person try to work something out that they don't understand. I couldn't even get my garage door open the other day. That's a monstrous truth. I was like trying to push the button. I said, it's not working. But you push the wrong button, Dad. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they offer new ideas that help in the relevancy of the church. Not the trendiness of the church. Hear me. Younger people have a way with technology that can help with the relevancy of a church. Not the trendiness, the relevancy of a church. I love my Bible. I like the pages. I like the feel it, touch it, write in it, highlight in it. You know what young people like? Phones, digital, iPads, tablets. I have a wireless keyboard in my office. Zach Carter knows exactly what I I was in my office one day, my keyboard wouldn't work. I was so frustrated. What is wrong with this keyboard? I was like pounding on it like an eight. I call Zach and says, dude, I don't know what's wrong with this thing, man. He walks up, just turns it on. You guys put that on, bro. Because I'm used to the cord going to it, and it just works when I need it. It's called the wireless. He just looks on. And as he walks out, he's not millennial. I was like, oh. My TV at home. There are times that I'm watching a show and I'll flip the channel, I'll hit the wrong button on the remote, and the TV just goes berserk. I'm like, I don't know how to get back to where I was. What am I doing? I'm putting in all settings going on. I'm like, I don't know what. I'm buying movies. I didn't even know. I'm like, what is going on? My daughter's like, give me the thing. He can't be trusted with this. My daughter's saying to each other. I remember when the TV only had like four or five channels. You had to, by the way, dare I say it, get up and go change the channel. <laughs> And turn that. Sometimes the knob would break. You have to get a pair of pliers in there to turn it. You know what I'm saying? That was how I grew up, right? But thank goodness, younger generations have got some relevancy to TVs now. You can just boom, boom, boom all the way through it. My wife and I are blessed to have a new car, a newer car. I went and visited a friend of mine recently, and it was a two-hour, about an hour and a half drive to Indiana to go visit. Another pastor friend of mine. I got in the car and I started driving. As I was driving, I was like, man, I am hot. Whew, I'm burning up. It was, you know, summer morning. But it was, you know, and I rolled down the windows. I could, and it, my screen is all touch screen. I could not figure out how to, my heated seat was on. <laughs> and honestly, this is a true story. The heat in the car was blowing full blast. I'm driving and I can't figure out how to, I drove all, a whole hour and a half with the heated seat on and then, Heat just blowing on me. Alright? It's crazy. And so when I got to the church I was going to, the guy I met with, his daughter was there, and I was telling them the story. And she goes, Let me see. Oh, this is a cool car. She just pushed like a couple buttons. And there you go. Like, wow, thanks a lot. So one last thing I'll teach you about relevance here. Hopefully you get we need both generations lean on each other. I went through ordination in two thousand six. Seems like a million years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. I went through ordination. Part of the ordination process is they give you an, an exam that you have to study for, and you have to pass, and then you have to sit down with three doctors of theology looking at you, intimidating you, and just there to punish you and judge you. That's how I felt going into it anyway. And uh, as I'm sitting there and, and studying for this exam, it's like 200 questions. And uh, what I did was I did old school, which to me is new school, which is still the school. Right? It's the only school. I went old school. I made flashcards. Right? Got a, a ring, a binder, got me three by five cards. I wrote them down. I wrote the questions. This is all on the Holy Spirit. And uh, 
question number whatever. Uh, define and distinguish between revelation, inspiration, and illumination, and use scripture verses to back that up. Okay? Revelation, it's God communicating. Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's just all day on the flashcard, right? I, I'm just flipping. I, I took this with me everywhere. I wrote them down, all 200 some questions, and I put them on a little ring, put a whole punch in there. I was so excited. Well, I use these everywhere. I had them with me all the time. Doctor's office, sitting at a stop sign. I didn't care where I was at, what I was doing. If I had two seconds, I was studying and studying for my oral exam that I was going to have to get in front of these doctors in theology, right? Well, now, praise the Lord, by the way, I passed uh, 20 trials, but I've got it. Uh, uh, just kidding. Uh, Zach Cars, our youth director, and Aaron Thaler, our worship director, are going through the same process now in 2019. I went to him the other day. I said, guys, I've got a gold bar for you. Think I'm joking. I keep this literally in my filing cabinet under lock and key. It's in my filing cabinet. It's in a lock and key filing cabinet. I went there, pulled it out, pulled it out. I said, guys, I got something for you. It's like doves flew out. I said, guys, I got something for you. I'm going to, this is going to blow your mind. Do you know that oral exam you're about to take you're studying for? Yeah. And I said, guys, listen, I got these, these. Like This means a lot to me, so I can't let you have it. I'll let you borrow it, but you make sure you get it back to these flashcards. And I started going through. I said, check this out, man. It's all up there right here. Look at that. All of my tip. And I wrote it down. It's all the questions. And then you just flip it over. And the back of the answer. You read it. You flip it. And you just go over and over and memorize it. It's amazing. Listen, I'm going to give this to you, but I need it back. And they both look at this particular Zach. Uh, he kind of looks at me. He's like, this is so cute. This is really cute. You did this all by yourself. Craft time, I guess, right? This is sweet. This is like, he says, wow, this is, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. You can borrow that, dude. He's like, come on, really? I said, yeah. He said, no. Let me show you something. The national office now has an app that's on their phone. He pulls out his phone. He goes, here's the app. And he clicks it. All my 200 flashcards are now on an app. And it's amazing. You just read it, touch it, it flips it over electronically. There's the answer. You touch it. And I'm like, oh. Where was that in 2006? You know what I mean? You see how relevancy is so important? How the generations need each other? It's amazing. Listen, we talked earlier about how Moses and Joshua, great example, great example of mentorship and leading. Moses had been the man of God for many years, but Moses knew that his time was coming soon. And so he began to mentor Joshua. He knew that it was Joshua's turn. So Moses knew his day would come and he began to teach him and mentor him. The same is true today. People of the older generation need to stay connected. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Letting go does not mean giving up. You need to stay connected and invest not only in the kingdom of God, but also in helping raise the next generation who will continue to carry the torch. And when they're no longer able to or give up, they can pass it on to someone else because they've learned from you same thing. Younger generations need to respect and honor the older generations, learning from their experience and wisdom. You see, this is the win-win. It's all around for every single one of us. <coughs> Letting go doesn't mean giving up folks. Your job isn't over. In fact, in some ways, like I said earlier, it's just beginning for you on this grandparents' day. You've run the race, now it's your job to cheer. You see what I'm saying? 
There are those athletes that are absolutely, positively amazing, but one day, they're not going to be able to play the game again. They're not going to be able to run the bases, run around that track, take those hits on the field, make those three-point shots. They're not going to be able to do it. Well, what do they do? They coach. I mentioned before, I, I love Cincinnati Reds. Jody Bottom's one of my favorite players. Man, would I love to see him come back one day with the Reds. How cool would that be? He'd be tough. He just hung his jersey in the blue jersey. Hung up his cleats and said, I'm done. I quit. I'm done with the game forever. No, man, Joey, we need you. Oh, I can't swing like I used to. I can't run the base lift. You don't have to. There's younger guys that'll do it. You just teach them what you know. Imagine in a relay race. You know, they have a relay race, and, they, and they, they, one guy runs so far with the baton, and then the next guy, you know, he, he's running like this, and he grabs it and takes off running. It takes both. The guy has to grab a hold of it, and the other guy has to let go of it. Listen, you might think as an old person, it's noble of you to hold on to that baton and not let it go. And to run the whole track yourself, try to outbeat everybody else. You might think it's noble to say, well, I don't trust this young person. What if they drop the baton? What if they stumble and fall? What if they don't make it all the way around? I, I can't trust them. I need to keep running. Listen, that might seem noble, but it's just foolishness. You're going to weigh yourself out. And you're going to rob others of a blessing. You're going to rob others of a blessing to serve and to participate and be part of the victory when the victory comes. The book of Hebrews, I want you to just listen to this. You don't need to go there. But the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate that faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Happy Grandparents Day. Enjoy your day. But tomorrow morning, we got work to do. We got work to do. You got to pass that torch. Don't hold on to it. Pass it. You deserve to pass that torch off. You've raised your kids. Now enjoy your grandkids. Yeah? You've got work to do. Remember the leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome and imitate your faith. Older folks, what faith are you living out that the younger people in our church right now are imitating? Are they imitating, imitating your bitterness? The things that you cling and hold on to? What are they imitating? Are they, are, are they imitating your sourness? Your disgruntledness, your tiredness, your weakness, or are they going to imitate the passion that you have for Jesus Christ and how you're so willing to say, listen, this isn't my preference, but it's not about me. It's about the glory of Jesus Christ. Give them something to imitate and let that be Jesus Christ. Cast the torch. Torches in your hands. And if you don't Pass that torch off. It may just burn out on your watch. That's how churches go from 240 down to 140, down to 40, down to three people just looking around going, where'd everybody go? Don't let the torch go out on your watch. And now listen, I know it's difficult for some. I know it's difficult. 
to be an altar for that to come through. Lean on. It's gone. For some of you, that's real hard. There's to be an organ over here. For some of you, you know, it's real hard. Talk about the library last week. It's changing, it's revamping, it's revitalizing. But for some of you, it's a heartache. I think beyond that heartache, and recognize and realize God's called you to so much more. Don't hold on to relics. I just got doing a five-piece series called The Five Solace of the Reformation, where Martin Luther stood up and said, listen, it's not about relics and indulgences and doing things a certain way. It's about Jesus and Jesus only, and he says, he said. So whether there's an altar railway, an organ, or a thriving library as you see it, or, or all the things that may change in the next 5, 10, 20 years, it's about Jesus and Jesus only. As you leave the church today, I want you to leave as you walk out and drive away. We have a new parking lot. We, we need to get lines on it, right? We will. But what if we never repaid the parking lot? We just like the old one. We just left it there. Eventually, it crumble and become gravel and then dirt and then mud, and we get stuck, and we have to sleep with our hands in the mud, right? As you drive around the building, you're going to see the landscaping has been spruced up a little bit. What if we never spruced up the landscape? What if we just kept growing and growing, the weeds just kept coming up? As you leave today, as you drive around the building, look at the front of the building right here. On the outside, there used to be three spruce trees. Remember the spruce trees? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, they're still there, right? No, they took them out yesterday. The spruce trees are gone. You know why? Because they were starting to die. They might have looked alive, but they were starting to die. They were leaning over so much they couldn't even be brought back up. They were leaning. And the best decision was just to take them out. Is there any way we can save them? No. We just got to take them out. Same thing with some of the trees and shrubs around here. Life is about letting go, not holding on. Because God is on the move, doing a new thing you've not perceived. But praise God, right here in Hebrews, he is the same yesterday as he is today and forever will be the same. That's the God I serve. Let's pray. Father God, right now, I pray that you overwhelm us with a deep sense of your presence and your joy of your salvation. Restore that unto us. We thank you for the older generations that are here this morning. May they pass the torch, and yet may they stay engaged and mentor the young people in this church. That the young people in this church, with all their zeal and all their fervor and all their strength and all their might and all their relevancy, may they serve you as the older people model that servant's heart. May we work together and be one family, leaning on each other, learning and growing from each other. That the torch may never burn out, never die, until you come back. Take us all to be with you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.